This is J. Carl Ganter of Circle of Blue for Speaking of Water. At Circle of Blue, we're on the front lines of the world's challenges, from choke point China and that country's competition between water and energy, to our recent reporting on the connection between polluted water and the profound risks to India's food supply. But once a year, the world's experts, innovators, social entrepreneurs, and field workers come together to share their talents and their passion for solving these grand challenges. And today we're talking with Torgne Holmgren, Executive Director of the Stockholm International Water Institute. We're at World Water Week in Stockholm, a global gathering, real and virtual, for solutions. As these sobering numbers continue to affirm that water crises around the world rank as the highest risks to geopolitical stability, environmental systems, and to human health. Torgne, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, Carl. And uh, well, the World Water Week, I guess, is the major annual global event on water. And we do gather some 3,500 participants from over 130 countries to discuss among decision makers how to better use our scarce water resources all over the world. That is the main trust of the week. Uh, this year, we have a special focus on water ecosystems and human development. And what we have focused on this year also relates to what was discussed at World Water Day on nature-based solutions annually arranged by the uh, United Nations. Now, we link to that theme by looking in how to better use the green infrastructure, you may call it, uh, compared to the grey infrastructure that we have invested in over the last number of decades to take care of uh, water as we now see nowadays, we get either too much or too little water at so many places around the world. And how can we better store and capture that water that is becoming available by using more nature-based solutions? I think that is the ecosystems part of it, also linking it to the very rapid development in urban areas that we see all over the world. Well, that seems to be one of the big stories is, is also how are we going to manage our urban systems, um, you know, particularly water, food, energy, this nexus. Um, and water has consistently been ranked as the biggest risk to human health and economic development and global security. Um, what's that mean to, when we're talking about it in that, in that kind of crucible, what's that mean for uh, uh, urban systems and for also for ecosystems? Um, what do we need to be addressing? I guess you're definitely right on that. Right now, we are in the next, I will claim, the next two decades are very decisive for the world's future in the sense that we do see around the world the rapid urbanization taking place and how you now, as a decision maker, design your, your municipalities or your urban areas, I would say, will play a very critical role for the future how we handle not only water but also energy and food production etc for the for the future of the world and there is a risk that we don't look into how we better can capture and store the rain and the water being in flooding or in in, in aquifers etc that are are available so i think to make the mix and that of course depends on local circumstances definitely but make the mix that you can combine the gray and green infrastructure that i think how the how, how we are looking into the future now 
how we should design and also make it possible to also eventually grow food in near urban and urban areas. I think there are a lot of opportunities, but it's very decisive moments right now how we should handle the, our infrastructure investments over the next two decades, I will say. Yeah, and you, and you mentioned the next two decades, and, and yet as we speak, gosh, there are global inflection points uh, happening around the world at, uh, right now uh, around water, really focused on water. Uh, maybe you could describe a bit about what's happening and then um, how these are or are not maybe inflection points to not only drive the, drive the conversation, uh, which we've been having for years, but driving really toward action. Yes, if I look at my own society, Sweden, Scandinavia, the investments that took place maybe 50, 60, 70 years ago are still with us. So that is what I claim what will happen in the next 10 or 20 years is most decisive because those are sunk costs or investments that we do decide upon today in the next few years. So we will live with them and how we then design and how we use them will be most decisive. So I think uh, also with the, well, of course, a number of areas around the world, you are, we are quite urbanized, but the majority population at the world is, are now moving into cities or being city residents. So I think in that sense, we are reaching a point where we need also, be it in a local uh, community or in a region or a nation base also, find ways and means that we could combine what we claim is the gray and green infrastructure in the future. Uh, because there are some recent uh, disasters where we have had flooding in cities where we not have had that kind of design of the, of the, of the, of the urban area there. We have risked both the property and people's life, human lives, but also in the near future how we should grow food in the urban areas is also a possibility with investing more in, in green infrastructure. So at this time of in history of mankind, we are entering into points of great decisions to be made. So what do you think will drive those decisions? Are our decision makers, those beyond and outside of say World Water Week, paying attention? Yeah, well, yes, I think uh, I often uh, believe and also claim that on, on water issues, the main decision makers are the water users. And they could be ourselves in household level, but also mainly in industry, in energy production, of course, in food production. So that, I think, is the, is the trigger how we should incentivize all decision makers that are using water on a daily basis, how to invest maybe in new technology, but also how to allocate the resources. And I think that is most decisive. So I think it's a combination of cooperation in between, you may call it the water community, but also the main water users in the world. I think that is will drive this forward and also that we could be more efficient and effective in the way that we handle these often scarce water resources that are available uh, in different places. Right, no, that's, that's uh, um, really hopeful. Um, yet, you know, today too, and I'm just coming back to current events, um, we have an era or an issue of, of mass migration um, and a concern that 
uh, climate change and water scarcity and flooding um, can trigger mass migra migration events. So are you seeing that these urban centers and decision makers are starting to take uh, water, um, water supplies, urban development, and even ecosystems in account as national and regional security issues. Um, because as you stress the systems, uh, people seek other locations that are less stressed. Last year, I attended a number of seminars and sessions where uh, city developers from different parts of the world shared their experience in handling stormwater, be they in Malaysia or in Brazil or different places. I think there is a awareness raising among decision makers nowadays as we see quite huge disasters if you're not investing in the right, right way, so, so to speak. At the same time, if we look upon the causes of movement of people or migration, what we learn its starting point is in, in domestic or internal from maybe countryside to urban areas. And then, of course, you get more uh, people in, in that urban area and you need also to invest all from schools, housing, etc., healthcare, but also in industry. Uh, so I think that is also taking place right now uh, in one sense, and that goes back also to what we are dealing with in our institution is to looking into the governance aspect, uh, how you manage your water resources and our experience is there could be two countries quite alike with scarcity of water, but how they manage and govern their water resources is most decisive, how they can only both feed their population and provide them access to water, but also for other purposes. So we are very much looking into the governance aspect and management, and uh, I think this is also very critical for the future, how we handle water resources is not only technological, if I may say so, kind of kind of uh, approach, but also how you govern your institutions at large, and also your management systems, how you can more effectively and equitably allocate your water resources. Well, that, that's perfect. That brings me around to uh, another question, and that is, you know, last year, uh, even during our Catalyst call, which we, you were part of, uh, we discussed the value of water and even the values of water. Um, how do you see these? Are you seeing more alignment, um, kind of left brain, right brain values um, and value starting to align? Are you seeing any change in that in that kind of separation? I see it increased interest in these issues, on these issues. As you mentioned, there are different values of water, various dimensions, cultural, spiritual, economic, etc. Uh, and uh, as we have been, like other organizations around the world also, uh, close to this high-level panel on water that tabled their report back in March this year, they also have a specific um, part of that report uh, discussing and uh, the value of water and that is something that we also will look into more in this world water week and in, in, in the years to come as well because to some extent we need to well uh, the, the question how do we treat our 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 precious resource water <coughs> and i think uh, we need to increase the value uh, of, of water both economic but also 
how we value it uh, in the society at large. Uh, I think in our part of the world, in, in the northern uh, Europe, we have taken water for granted. It's just uh, to go to, to the tap and you get water. But that is not longer the case. And we need to find, to, to increase the value of water, which I believe we will see. And that is maybe an estimation about the future that even from an economic point of view, we will see a much more differentiated price um, uh, structure on water depending on your local resource and who the main users are of water. Uh, we learn from uh, what has happened in Cape Town, in southwest Australia or in Sao Paulo a few years ago, how you had to quite dramatically change your tariff structure to make people or decision makers in industry and energy, etc., and farming to, to adapt to a new, a new normal, a new situation. I think we can learn from that. I think that will also be more common in different places around the world in the future. So yes, in that aspect, revaluing water, I think, is up on the agenda, definitely. And, and just a couple more questions. Um, this year on our Catalyst call and also in our session um, for Circle of Blue, we'll be talking about groundwater uh, and particularly groundwater contamination. Um, what's unseen is oftentimes untreated. Um, I just wanted to get a sense for, um, it, it seems as part of that values and value conversation, something we don't see, we don't take care of. Um, uh, I, could you talk a little bit about our groundwater challenges um, and and a couple of ways that we should be responding, um, and then we'll include that in our in our in our catalyst call conversation as well. I think uh, yes, on, on groundwater we see uh, in some places now depletion of groundwater resources due to in some areas or some countries of heavy irrigation that could be other. Uh, reasons why groundwater is depleted and of course if we go that to that in that uh, road I think we are on the very problematic um, uh, track because uh, when ground level uh, groundwater level sinks you are definitely into a very complicated situation and as you mentioned there also the question about um, uh, not only uh, extract and, and use groundwater, but also the contamination. And I think those are we are entering into a dangerous uh, path of, of life in, in that in that sense, if we do not take care and also look into the value of groundwater and be very careful how we handle our groundwater resources. And that is that is sure. Let's talk about a. You know, a group that really hasn't been, they've been at really the forefront of the water challenges, but not always, um, not always in the room um, for the solutions. That's changing. And I'm talking about women and youth in the professional water space. Tell me how that's changing. I see change taking place. Let me give you two examples. We do and arrange what we label the Stockholm Junior Water Prize, which is an international competition based on national competitions in some 35 countries with young, up to 20 years of age youth taking part. And there is a tremendous interest in that, in that um, competition, which is an indication 
of the interest among the youth around the world in water issues. I was recently, as I guess many of you, in Brasilia at the World Water Forum and took part in their national competition. And it was a tremendous both atmosphere and encouragement among the youth on, on how to well, take care of the water resources in that sense. That is one sense. And actually, I just checked some figures for this upcoming World Water Week uh, this year. Uh, around one third of participants are under 35 years, 35 years of age which to me is a very encouraging sign. And that means that more around 1,000 attendants are, 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 are young professionals or students. And, so, and I also see when we recruit nowadays, uh, a lot of fantastic CVs are appearing when people are, at, uh, are applying for jobs in our workplace. That is on youth. And we ourselves, in our institution, we also have a, what we label as a cross-cutting issue, youth empowerment, because, well, to be honest, dealing with water has been, and maybe still is to a large extent, a male, male industry. So that is bringing in the youth. Women, yes, definitely. We also see uh, uh, promising signs of more women engaged in, in water. Of course, women are on a daily basis around the world maybe the main water carrier, if you look at the developing countries and low-income countries especially, but also in our part of the society, they are taking care of the water in the, in, in, to a much larger extent than the men. But they haven't been that visible and taking part in conferences or in decision-making. What we would like to do is to see a much more gender equality in women also being part of not only discussions like conferences that we are providing, but also in decision-making, uh, boardrooms, etc. Uh, and we do also see uh, there, maybe combined to some extent with the youth, because young women, they are on top of these issues. That is my, my uh, prediction for the future, that women and young women, they will be the leaders on water. Uh, maybe I mentioned earlier on the next two decades, Two decades from now, I think we'll see quite a different picture on water decision-making. Well, what I could also add one part, and that is what we have seen increased interest from the business society on water issues. And you know that, Carl, from uh, the last five, six years, when we have the Davos meetings, the world uh, decision-makers or leaders now claim that water scarcity or water crisis is one of the most impactful events that might occur. And uh, I uh, and we do arrange a number of sessions, but I think in the future we will see much more of an interest also, because I mean, for business, this is a, a, a financial risk. And if water still is quite a cheap commodity in the production factor, but uh, the risk running out of water, it becomes so tremendous impacting businesses. So there I see a, a increased interest from from maybe large industries, but also the small business guys, they are now turning to us and we will also arrange uh, some discussions during this World Water Week. And that is a, a change, I think, in attitude that we haven't seen before. I spoke with Torgner Holmgren as he was getting ready for the start of World Water Week in Stockholm, Sweden. 
For more on the events and how to participate, visit the official website at worldwaterweek.org and be sure to follow Circle of Blues coverage of World Water Week and from the front lines of the world's grand water challenges and those who are making the change at circleofblue.org. This has been Speaking of Water from Circle of Blue, where water speaks. I'm J. Carl Ganter. Thanks for listening. 